On today's episode of Exactly How Podcast and YouTube Show, you're going to learn exactly how to manage and rehab properties with Don Costa. You're listening to the Exactly How Podcast, where you'll hear the underground, closely guarded wealth building secrets of successful people around the globe. Discover exactly how to improve your mental, physical, and financial health. Feel better, make more money, live, give, and prosper in today's exciting, fast-paced world filled with opportunity for those who know exactly how. Welcome to the Exactly How podcast and YouTube show brought to you by Connected Investors. Now, back in March, Ross interviewed today's guests and they dove deep into rehabbing properties one-on-one. Well, during this episode, you'll discover exactly what comes next when rehabbing properties. Now, for those of you who are new, my name is Sean Young, today's host and proud member of the Connected Investors community. Now, before I introduce you to our incredible guest speaker today, I wanna make a request that if at any point in the show, you like what you're hearing, please give us a thumbs up or subscribe to the show so that you don't miss an episode. And make sure to look in the description of this episode as we've packed it with thousands of dollars in free resources. Today, we have the privilege to learn from a man who rebuilt a real business, where his team rehabs and wholesales around 200 properties a year. Now, prior to his career in real estate, he was a bouncer at a nightclub. But all that changed when he realized that he was broke, desperate, and scared, and decided he had to take action. Now, I would describe our guest as a regular guy trying to do his thing. Now, here we go. I'd like to introduce you to the one, the only, Don Costa. Don, thanks for being a guest on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me, man. That's a, that's a good intro. I'm gonna, I feel like I need to run in with a championship belt, right? <laughs> hey, man, you deserve it. You deserve it. Definitely. Appreciate it. Awesome. Awesome. Now, Don, before we dive into rehabbing properties, you know, version 102, you contribute a lot of your success to your ability to get out of the way so that your team can do what it takes to make things happen. Why do you think this has played such a big role in your success? Well, not doing it played a huge role in my failure the first time around. We talked, I think, about that in the last episode I did. But uh, you get being a bottleneck and get out, not getting out of the way, having to be the decision maker, it stops. Um, it stops your team from being accountable. It stops your team from taking action to do things that could make your business better. And it stops decisions from happening when you're not available. And uh, we all know as human beings, we have this capacity we hit in our day of we, we can't make another decision. We can't do another thing. We can't put another thing on our plate. And when you're running a high volume operation, if you're at the buck stops with you on every single decision, there's going to be things that are going to get left to the next day or a week later. And we all know that costs money. So, you know, getting out of the way, counting on people, developing the right team uh, really is the important to anybody's success long term. You know, if they don't want to go nuts, right? I mean, unless you're working 24 seven and just being insane, there's just no way to have real success without having a good team. That makes a lot of sense, Don. Don, how long did it take for you to kind of get out of your own way when you first got your business started? What actually prompted you to say, you know what, I, I, I'm in my own way here? Yeah, I mean, I have the the hindsight of, of doing this twice, right? I mean, built a business, lost it on 2008, built a business again for those listeners who didn't listen to the last episode. You know, I've been through this um, in two iterations, you know, and the first time around looking back on it, one of my major failures was uh, you know, not building a team that I could count on, not giving them the trust that they deserve, not, not allowing them to be successful. And so this time around, you know, wanting to do it better, uh, wanting to build a real business, uh, just, you know, it was a realization that 
that I really needed to have people I could count on and I needed to develop them in, into, into leaders in my organization and get out of their way. Uh, you know, and, and, and train and training's ongoing. And that's, that's really our role as a leader. I mean, if you look at like a, you know, an NFL football coach or a baseball coach, um, you know, the coach, you know, generally is a 50 year old guy who has no business putting on pads and, and getting hit on the field. Right. Uh, his job is not to get in there and play the play. His job is to make sure the players have the tools necessary to be successful uh, during the game. And that's really as a business owner, I think we think we need to suit up and get in that game and do the blocking and tackling ourselves and play quarterback and play quarterback. <laughs> and, um, and that's really the wrong way to think about being a business owner. You know um, we got to, we got to make sure that we're bringing on the right team. I mean, look how just, I'm going to stick on the NFL as, as or, you know, or any sport really basketball, baseball, look how much time and energy they put into recruiting their team and the money they put into recruiting their team and the money they put into training their team is because that team is what gets the win on the field or on the court. And it's the same thing in your organization, right? I mean, you got to spend the time and the energy so much. So many of us want to just plug and play people. And we don't, we don't put, put the energy in developing systems and processes and hiring and training properly. We don't want to put the energy in, in allowing our team to be successful, allowing them to make mistakes so they can grow. Um, you know, we don't want to put the, the time and money into practicing, right? Into training our team. And that's, that's really where I think ultimately we fail as business owners and where I failed as a business owner the first time around. And it's still a work in progress. I'm still learning something new every day, but, but just realizing that I'm, I'm the coach. I'm the person who's, who's teaching the plays, but that my team's got to be the ones to execute it. And I got to get out of their way and let them do it. It's important. That, that's awesome. That makes a lot of sense. And, and those are some golden nuggets, Don. Thanks for sharing that. Now, guys, what makes the Exactly How Financial Freedom podcast and YouTube show unique is that every show comes with a detailed action plan. We pull the steps out of the show and create a blueprint on how to implement exactly what we're covering. All you have to do is visit connectedinvestors.com forward slash free to get the key takeaways and resources and gifts that Don has generously allowed us to give to you. As nearly a million people know, Connected Investors is a social network of real estate investors and a marketplace of investment properties. Now in the description of this video, I've included a link to this episode's forum discussion. Tap that link, ask me, other pros, or anyone who's in the forum questions to see what the other investors are saying about this episode. Plus, you're gonna get our free training right now. Again, guys, that's connectedinvestors.com forward slash free. Now, this is how I make my money. You can find properties in any town for pennies on the dollar. This software, I use it every single day, guys. Let's talk about the three steps in rehabbing. Don, the last time you talked about hiring, pricing, and project management. Can you break those down for us? Can you go into step one of hiring? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so when it comes to rehabbing, hiring, you know, we're talking about either project management or, or contractors. So I'm going to hit on contractors. That's really where I think people struggle the most. And, and in, in the hiring aspect of, of project management uh, or contractors per se, um, it's very important to hire just like you would your internal team, right? You want to hire somebody that you're going to be able to work with long-term, somebody that's going to be teachable and coachable, somebody that you're going to be able to uh, communicate with. It's going to um, be responsive to issues or concerns. You know, a lot of contractors, when we're working with them as rehabbers, 
uh, we sometimes we'll subordinate like our leadership position in that role to the contractor who we feel may know more, have more experience. And that's really, I think, the wrong way to attack it. We need to attack it. It's a team effort on these jobs. We need to make sure that, again, we're treating them like they're a member of our team. We're looking to coach them and develop them into our ways and our systems and our organization. And you got to do the same thing. Even when you're a newer investor, it's important to know what your expectations are and establish your expectations. And maybe that might be communication early on, you know, as far as in your learning process as, as a rehabber. So, but it's important to make sure that that's established and understood. Who's in charge? Who's the boss at the end of the day? Who makes the final call, which is you. And so when we hire, we go through this process of hiring where we will literally um, try to weed people out. Like we'll call them up and we'll say, this is what we do. We're rehabbers. And half the people will tell us they're not interested in working with rehabbers. Second half, they'll, they'll continue the conversation. We'll let them know we need reasonable pricing. We need wholesale pricing um, in, our, in our jobs. We can't have retail. We want to make sure they make money. And then half of them will exclude themselves at that point. When you get to that final core of people, what I like to do is I like to find people who are willing to show us a job in progress and a job completed. The job in progress is important for me to see because I want to see if they are, um, you know, doing what they're supposed to be doing on the job. Like does where they say uh, they are on the job line up with what, what's been are. done, where they actually are, right? So if they say this will be done in like three days and you go in there and the place is still gutted, well, then you know that they're not, that's not, that doesn't line up. If you go in there and, you know, they're halfway through the job and there's one person or nobody there and it's a bright sunny day and there's no reason for nobody to be there, that's, again, that's a red flag. If there's safety issues, you know, that there's, there's, it's not clean or there's hazards throughout the project, you're, you really get a, a good idea of how somebody runs their business. And it's funny because I find a lot of times, you know, um, what do they, they think that homeowners don't know better or rehabbers don't know better? Some, some, some contractors won't try to hide the inefficiencies. And, and so you'll get, get, get a really good sense of who they are as a business person that way. I, I want to see the finished project. A lot of people will think, oh, well, they want to see the finished project because of the quality of the work. Well, no, I actually want to find one thing on that job that is imperfect and I want to point it out. And the reason why I want to do that is not because I'm trying to pick somebody apart or tear them down. It's because I want to see their reaction. I want to gauge how they're going to respond to me. And if, if they do anything other than take responsibility, I'm not hiring them. If they're defensive, if they blame the homeowner, if they blame, if they blame a, a worker, I'm not hiring that person. One of my best contractors I've worked with for now eight years, when I pointed out something that wasn't straight, his response was, if, I, if you give me the job and you're not happy with something I did, I'll fix it. Teachable and coachable. As somebody that can work with. That he wasn't defensive in any way, shape, or form. So I'm looking for those things. A lot of people... They think, well, you're looking for quality work. You're looking for this. You look for that. No, I'm looking for teachable and coachable. I'm looking, I'm not looking for the perfect contractor. I'm looking for the person that can mold into the perfect contractor. And that's how I, 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 I basically attack this. If, if I find the perfect contractor, that's great. But the reality is you're never going to find the perfect employee, the perfect contractor out of the gate. You got to look at it. I'm developing a team. You know, I'm recruiting the players, right? And it's my job to get them where I need them to be. And if you approach relationships that way, all your relationships, whether it's private money, contractors, vendors, the employees in your organization. If you approach that with that mindset, you're going to find you're going to build a real solid team around you and you're going to be successful. That is awesome. So guys, like I want you to kind of look at the analogy of, of, a, of a football team, just like Don said. I mean, he's literally saying, hey, I need to go out and find a linebacker. I need to go out right. and find a, a running back and I need to find a quarterback. 
I need to find a wide receiver. Whatever I'm looking for, I need to make sure that not only do I find these components, guys, but I need to make sure that they can work together so that we as a team can move forward. And that is key, having a, a team-centric um, ideal system. I mean, that, that's what it's all about, Don. Thanks for sharing that. So, so now that you've got the hiring um, on step one, can we dive into step two where we talk about the pricing? Yeah. So pricing, obviously, like I mentioned in the initial conversation, you got to have a, you got to let them know where you're at on pricing. You're looking for the the wholesale price point. You're looking for somebody that understands that you're not a one and done operation, that you're going to be somebody that if they work well with you, you're going to give them consistent work. And therefore you need reasonable pricing. You need something that is, again, not where they're going to break even or lose money, but also not retail right? They got to be able to make a living working for you. So, and understanding that's important too, because a lot of us going into rehabbing will approach rehabbing in the, well, I need to get the cheapest contractor. I need to get the cheapest bid. And, and the reality is, is that there's a lot of contractors that will, will bid you, underbid you or bid you very cheaply for various reasons. One, because they're just not good business people and they don't actually sit down and do the work to figure out what's going to cost them. And so they underbid you by mistake. Then they're the ones that will underbid you intentionally to get the job, knowing that with change orders and everything else, they're going to be able to make even more money on you. You know, so there's a, and there's a few other reasons why you'll get, uh, you know, contractors underbid you. But sometimes the cheapest bid is not the best bid. So knowing your numbers, understanding, learning the cost is important. I know early on that's tough, but, you know, I stood in Home Depot. I can tell you to this day, you know, eight years later um, from rebooting my organization, what every floor plan and every Home Depot is in my area because I stood in those stores and I learned the pricing and I learned what it took. I know, you know, a contractor pack a baseboard, what that costs per linear foot, you know, and I also know what, it, what I can pay my contractor to install it. You know, what's a reasonable price where they're going to make money. And so once you start to learn those things, you start to standardize your pricing and that becomes part of your conversation with these contractors, you know, X amount of dollars per square foot per paint in your market is a reasonable price then that's the, that's the kind of conversation you have with a contractor. A dollar linear foot for baseboard installed that's reasonable in your market for a wholesale price, that becomes part of your conversation. And as you're, as you're talking to these contractors, when you're interviewing them, you can say, hey, you know, these are the kind of the prices I'm typically used to paying. Is that something you have a problem with? And you can, that way, you can, again, you're, you're having an honest conversation. You can start gauging. If, if contractors, contractors will have problems with it. One is if they're usually in it for so many years, they don't care if they make money off you or not, because they're going to find somebody's going to pay well above retail and they're going to make a profit. And so they can give you the, I don't want it price. And then you're going to find the people in there, like I said, that just don't know any better and, um, and they're going to underbid you. So knowing that number is, is important to get to that conversation with somebody that you can learn is reasonable and you can have a long-term relationship with and success in your projects. Man, that is awesome. So like guys, I mean, Don is saying he literally went into home Depot became an expert somewhat of, you know, the, the building process and how, what it costs so that he can know what he's doing when he's running his business. You know, that, that's key. I, I hear a lot of folks, you know, who are in the flipping on the flipping aspect of it, um, just kind of jump into it sometimes. And they say that you know, they kind of get burned. And I think that what you're saying, Don, is so key to prevent some of those, you know, mishaps, so to speak. I mean, of course, there may be some things you may run into, but it sounds like you, you went the right route by educating yourself before you just jumped, uh, dove right into it. Yeah. And, and you got to educate yourself some. I mean, look, we all get in this business because we want a better life and, and we want it to be easy. And don't get me wrong. I want it to be easy too, but you got to do the work for it to get easy, right? You have, that's, that's essentially what it is. And I'm not saying don't jump in. 
jump into rehab and maybe don't know any better and, and do your best and you might have to lick some wounds. You might come out with a home run, but as you, if you want to turn it into a real business, you're going to have to start becoming more efficient in your knowledge, right? Your understanding of what things, how long it should take to install a door, uh, how long it should take to paint the inside of a house, how long it should take to install cabinets and you know what that time and money costs. And, 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 and that's that, I mean, that really is important to running a real business. So you, do you want this as a hobby or do you want a real business? That's a decision you have to discuss with yourself. But if you want a real business, you're going to have to understand at least uh, the basics, right, of, of the numbers and what things should cost and how things should be done so that you can have long-term success. Otherwise, it's going to be, you know, you're going to Vegas putting on black every time you flip a house and none of us want that. I mean, you know, nine out of 10 times you might win, but that one loss might be enough to wipe out all the wins. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Don. And, and that makes a lot of sense, which actually runs us into our, our third step, which is project management. You know, being knowledgeable, you know, having the right players in place now is to manage the actual project. And, and Don, are these deals, are these flips that you're doing, are they local or are they virtual or a combination of both? And how do you manage that project? They, they, so most of what we do is local. We do some virtual stuff for sure. And um, I always, I always have somebody in the area where I'm flipping a property that I can count on to, to manage or, or go look at the property or go look at the project. So, the, you know, the reality is um, there's, there's no such thing as being 100% virtual where you can just be hands off on a contractor. Contractors are human beings, just like the employees in your organization. We don't have check-ins and huddles and different things. You know, you start to lose momentum, you start to lose that culture, you start to lose that accountability. So you need to have, whether it's an agent in a virtual market, and maybe the agent's going to sell the property, they have a vested interest in success of that project selling, because that's how they get the commission. That may be your person to check on your project, but you, you do need to have somebody check. Um, it, that's just for long-term success, it's best practice. Uh, the, in our organization, we have two project managers locally, because most of our projects are local. Um, and, you know, again, they their job is to, you know, set the expectation up front, schedule the job, get the job going and check in on that job on a regular basis to make sure things are happening the way they're supposed to be happening and, and catching problems before they become expensive, you know, um, issues. Like if something isn't straight or something isn't right, you know, and, and, and you catch it before, you know, two or three other things happen that make, make it almost impossible to redo it without spending a lot of money. That's what we want to have happen. We want them to, to catch those things. So, and just again, that accountability. Um, even on my best contractors, they get burnt out, they get tired, you know, um, and, you know, if they're not being held accountable, they'll slack off. So it's important to have that accountability and project management. More than anything, though, communication and it is important. And, and again, setting that, that expectation up front is important. So um, systems, you know, proper systems within your organization, whatever works for you, um, you know, making sure that those are outlined, all that. It, it just there's no such thing as set it and forget it, I guess. And I don't want to make it again. I don't want to make it sound hard because it really isn't. It's really, it really comes down to just simple, simple processes, simply setting the right expectation, the right communication. And it becomes really, really easy. So you've got basic processes, but you make them easy to tweak if need be, basically they can be easily yeah. tweaked if need be basically. Yeah. You know, and we do, I don't want to just like talk and talk, talk around it. So like we have, you know, I share all the time. We have a system and organization, how we pay our contractors. We make them bill us on Friday for, you know, the work they're going to do the next week. We make them pre-bill us. And that makes them set a goal, you know, for what they're going to finish. They only get paid if they finish it. So that keeps them on track. You know, a lot of people say timelines get out of hand. Well, our timelines don't because 
again, we're keeping our contractors on track by making them set a goal. They only get paid for work completed. That makes sure that a contractor doesn't run away with our money because they're not getting paid ahead of time. We get our bill on Friday so we know what our cash obligations are going to be the next week. You know, we get our money in from our reimbursements from investors before we pay the contractors that manages cash flow. So little tiny systems, little tiny things in your process will make your system, your business run so efficiently, your relationships so much better with these people and your communication uh, better with these people. So look at your organization. Um, look at the things that suck in your organization. Look at these, you know, if you're starting out, look at if you're doing your first flip or your second flip or your third flip and you're in something just doesn't, it, you're not happy, right? In that process, find a simple way, a simple something that you do every single time from now on when you flip that makes it not suck anymore. And that becomes a system, right? And as you stack those on top of each other, they become, you know, an overall kind of uh, SOP, standard operating procedure for doing flips in your organization. And pretty soon you look up and you're like, I don't see, I don't see the house. I don't know what color it is. I don't know what corner it is, but man, I just made a whole bunch of money off flipping it. <laughs> and it was great, right? <laughs> so that's always awesome. That's always yeah. awesome. Well, Don, I mean, that, th those are some key nuggets you, you've been sharing with us. And we definitely thank you for walking us through those steps. Now, as a reminder, guys, if at any point in the show you like what you're hearing, please give us a thumbs up or subscribe to the show so that you don't miss an episode. Your engagement is what drives us and keeps us doing this stuff for free for the community. Now, Don, what, what do you think your life would be like if you never decided you had to take action and you were still working as a bouncer? Uh, you know, um, well, I wouldn't be still working as a bouncer because I'd probably be dead, but <laughs> um, no, the... Uh, Look, I mean, my life is, is good for doing what I do. I do, I, I'm an entrepreneur. It's in, in my blood. I, I can't punch a clock. It just, it's never been something that's been functional for me. So, you know, I, I probably work more in this business because I love it and I'm passionate about it than I ever would at a real job. But at the same time, um, I get, I'm, I'm happy to get up and go to work every day. I'm passionate about what I do. I'm passionate about helping people be successful in this business as well. And I get the freedom. If I, if I don't want to come in today, I don't have to come in today. And that's, that's worth that. That's worth so much to me. Like it's just that freedom of choice. It's there's nobody harping over me about whether or not I punched in late or punched out early. If I'm tired, like right now, I, I, my, my wife is unavailable today and there's no one to really watch my kids. Um, I have my oldest son watching my daughter for a couple hours. I came in and I did a podcast and now I'm interviewing with you. And after I'm done, I go home and I hang out with my daughter for the rest of the day because that's what I want to do. And uh, you know, everything else can wait till tomorrow. And, and there's nobody, Harping over me and how 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 do you put a price on that like you know how, i mean who how? doesn't want that right you know it's it's exactly. my choice right and i'm gonna go hang out with my six-year-old daughter and build memories and screw around for the day after having a three-day weekend and it's because i want to do it and that's 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 my life now you know i get i get the choice you know to come in and do what i love for the day or go spend time with the people i love for the day and and do what i want to do and i mean who doesn't want that that is awesome don that is awesome Don, I, I really want to thank you for sharing all that, you know, wealth of information with us. Um, you, you definitely are, a, you know, a wealth of knowledge um, in the rehabbing field and in the real estate investing area altogether. And we definitely thank you for that. Um, and now it's brought us to the, the part of our show where it's called the rapid response question or the rapid fire section of the show. And this is where I'm going to ask you a question and uh, you'll give me the first response that comes to your mind or the best response that you feel you want to get for that. And uh, if you're ready, we'll go ahead and get that started, Don. I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. On a scale of one to 10, how strict were your parents? Uh, probably a two. 
two. Okay. That's a, yeah. like not strict, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like that's, that's pretty low on the strict level. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Got it. Um, get up early or stay up late. I'm a stay up late. I get up early now, but I naturally I'm a stay up late and get up late, but I, I do. I stay up late and get up early nowadays. Got it. How many hours of sleep do you get per night? Probably about five or six. Okay. Favorite or last book that you've read? Uh, my favorite book of all time is How to Win Friends and Influence People. I share that all the time. Probably shared that last time around. Um, the last book I read was Never Split the Difference, and I think that's a good one as well. Two great books. Two great books, Don. Now, if you could be any superhero, who would it be? I got a Captain America shirt on, so I'll say Captain America. <laughs> hey, that's an easy choice right there, Captain America. Yep. All right. Um, something everyone should do less of. Worry. People should worry less and, and, and enjoy life more. Okay. Something that people should do more of. Dream and, and, uh, and, and, and do which, I mean, basically, I guess live your passion, right? Dream, dream, dream big and, and fight for it. We've only got one life to live, right? Right. Bitcoin, bang or bust? Oh, I'm, I'm not the person to ask. Uh, <laughs> I, it's like going to Vegas, but not black, right? I mean, who knows? There, there's, there's, I, I can't answer that. <laughs> good answer. Good answer. Good answer, Don. Now, will people live on Mars in your lifetime? Probably not. And, and I think that's more so because, uh, you know, I think people are, are not accustomed to, to that kind of change at this point, but it's possible, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we kind of saw that when, you know, dealing with this pandemic that we dealt right. with, that people are just not that, you know, good with immediate change. So right. good, good one. Now, guys, you've all made it to the end of the show, and most people don't finish what they start. So you're special. Now, if you got any value out of the show, please share it with a friend or on your Facebook page. Like the video, subscribe to our channel, or send us topics you want to learn more about. And like I said earlier, guys, millions of people use the Connected Investor social network and marketplace to connect. In the description of this episode, there's included a link to this episode's forum discussion. Tap that link, ask me and other pros questions, and see what investors are saying about this episode. So guys, until the next episode, you can catch me inside Connected Investors. I'll see you guys next time. The Connected Investors app connects you with investors, notifies you of available properties, helps locate cash buyers, and secure private funding to close deals. Set up in seconds to become a member of the Connected Investors social network. Now you can scroll through your main feed to find cash buyers, see investment properties not available to the general public, and network with investors by adding your own comments to a thread to keep the conversation going. The Control Center is your connection to add properties to sell, start new discussions, connect with local investors, and even find private funding. The Notifications tab will keep you alerted to new investment properties and offers. You'll also find new friend requests to connect directly with the community to build your network. From the Property Marketplace, you'll be able to find, favorite, and make offers on investment properties. Download Connected Investors today to find, figure, fund, and flip investment properties on the go.